Today's show is brought to you by Grammarly, an intelligent writing app. Download Grammarly's browser extension and create a free Grammarly account at www.getgrammarly.com forward slash holy backboard. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 177th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I'm Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage, chilling here in Beaverton, Oregon. And, you know, we haven't really talked about ourselves, and there might be new people listening. So I I have am a uh, 10-year veteran in the radio and broadcasting department, and my co-host, Dustin, in my opinion, is the best laser social media manager ever. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say after that. Thank you for the the, the lofty the lofty praise. Uh, I do appreciate it. But man, I, I've been a fan since I was five years old. I think half of my brain's capacity is dedicated to Trailblazers knowledge and future Trailblazers knowledge. And you know, we just love the team. Call it like it is. And it's it's been a rough start to the season. Sage, uh, one in three week. Blazers do get off the off the schneid at home, the last team in the NBA to win a home game, uh, defeating the Atlanta Hawks in overtime, 124-113. It was the worst home start to the season since 71-72. The Blazers lead the league in single-digit losses. Every loss has been within 10 points. And you saw a little bit tonight that the cookie's just not crumbling in our favor. You look at that last possession, the second to last possession, excuse me, when we're up three, loose ball, CJ's diving for it, trying to knock it off of Herder's foot. It goes right to him. He has all the time in the world, and he's just right there, and it's just he's in perfect the perfect corner. spot. Yeah, perfect corner speed, three position right there. <laughs> and then you, you kind of saw them on the last possession in, in regulation, kind of deja vu for the Blazers, uh, Almost a week ago against the Sixers, you're up two and you give up a game winning three. Well, you're up two here and you could see they wanted no part of giving up a three. It was kind of a broken possession. Herter takes it down and, and you know, tosses it up and in and Simons ultimately gets a, gets a good look and it doesn't drop. But Portland looked good in the overtime period. But it was just it felt like we had to exert so much energy just to get this one little bitty win to push us to four and six. And but isn't, isn't that what you said? this year that we just have to keep our head above water and win as many games as scrappily as you absolutely can a hundred percent but i would be lying if i thought it was going to be this difficult Mm -hmm. Uh, true and we all know what has gone on that this week it it got off to a rough a rough start and we said on this podcast last week that if portland drops the game against the golden state warriors that it could start to unravel. And that's really exactly what happened. Portland did not match Golden State's energy. They lose 127-118. Eric Pascal looked like Draymond 2.0, had a career-high 36-37 points. Mm -hmm. Portland fought valiantly against a Clippers team with Kawhi Leonard, had a lead late in that game, but their pick-and-roll defense, Kawhi picked it up late. They defeat us 107-101. Portland comes back the next night, 
playing the Brooklyn Nets, a team that previously had not won a road game. Dame drops a franchise record and career high 60 points, but it still wasn't enough to to get that first home win. And they fall by four, 119, 115. And then they finally, as we as we discussed, chalked up a victory, winning by 11. It was a fantastic overtime performance, and hopefully it was a glimpse of what this team can become because they are talented. And what I want to kind of spend this episode, Sage, talking about is what the team looks like, not what we've seen. We've seen them through 10 games. We've seen some flashes of brilliance. We've seen a lot of growing pains, and we've really seen a lot of frustration. Frustration, Sage, I want to get your thoughts, especially on, on this performance. One, because it was a win, but two, because I really started to notice throughout that game just the pressure that they were playing with. Mm-hmm. They really felt like that every possession, like every time something bad went down, you'd see them kind of you know, grimace or you know, drop their head. Mm-hmm. I mean, I and think Hassan was CJ. a huge. I think Hassan and CJ were the two biggest uh, displayers of bad body language when I mean, shit didn't go right. You just saw CJ every time he had a wide open and didn't go in. He you just see like, God damn it, what do I have to do mm-hmm. for for it to go I in? I think he was pressing pretty hard because of how much he totally and completely struggled the game before. When the Brooklyn Nets are like the perfect matchup for point guard shooting guards and centers obviously it was the perfect matchup for the point guard because dame dropped 60 but it's like the 26th easiest matchup for shooting guards and then hassan i mean for the center it's the 29th so a lot of things kind of went wrong in that game but one thing went right with dame lillard going absolutely banana clips but uh yeah man like you you definitely saw when shit went bad the guys kind of one second let me turn my phone up uh the guys kind of got into their own heads and uh even though they did get into their heads that last five minutes plus the overtime we've seen a lot of bad basketball especially defensively but i thought we we were at least trying our absolute hardest on pick and roll defenses defense switching i mean hassan made big plays kent Bazemore made some huge plays with like not being a, not getting screened. He was slithering around those picks and closing out defensively. I mean, Trey Young had a bad f- last 5 minutes in OT because of how much we concentrated our defensive efforts onto stopping him. It may have led to Herder having, you know, a good fourth quarter, but know your personnel. Trey Young was absolutely murdering us and Herder this year has been pretty sus. I mean, I would say even CJ McCollum saved our, oh, our yeah, ass the on defense. He had he had he filled up the stat sheet, and this is what we have been really cl- clamoring for from CJ to really take that next step. You know, we've discussed how ESPN ranked him as the 13th best player in the league, and with all these injuries out, he has to live up to that hype. Great players, and when you're a top 15 player, you are an elite player. Those players affect the game in multiple facets, especially when your shot isn't falling. Mm -hmm. He had eight boards. What did we talk about on the last podcast? CJ getting back to playoff CJ, and that was getting boards. He had nine boards in that game. Boards and assists. Four dimes, two steals, two blocks, kept the turnovers to three, and and shot you know almost 50%, 11 of 23. Now, his three-point shot is still – 
off a bit. He's taken 20 attempts this past week and only connected on four. But you saw that one in in the fourth quarter. It went down. It was a big bucket, and you could just see the the relief come. Oh yeah, it was it was it was so physical. Just that that release of tension once that shot went in. Didn't he assist well? This game four four times, which for him is good. I mean, I was looking at stats earlier this week to uh, like with daily fantasy. You got to look at assist rate, potential assist, rebound rate, and potential rebounds. Dude was assisting at the quality of a center this year. Like it was, he did not pass the ball well. And those games were were really hyped for CJ and the community, the Rip City community is hyped for CJ. He might be hitting buckets. But he's usually getting like seven, eight rebounds, and that's what gets people hyped, man. Like that effort with with uh you know, with how our defense is set, Hassan Whiteside has to jump out at a lot of shooters for the contest. And if we can get that rebound when our main rebounder is out defending, it's it it it's huge for us. And CJ and uh, CJ and Kent and all the guys actually rebounded today, and we won because of it. Like shit, that that small thing of that extra effort for rebounds is huge. Yeah, Portland was plus thirteen on the glass tonight against the Hawks, sixty-one uh, forty-eight advantage. And just going back really quick to CJ and, and having four assists. Assists are really difficult this year when you are a four and six basketball team. Mm-hmm. We're not really shooting the ball. At, at a strong clip and you take tonight's performance really as as exhibit a 40 43% from the field 33% from downtown so even if you are making the pass chances are we weren't finishing it i mean mm-hmm. good god we missed three dunks so mm-hmm. it, this game wanted us to, i mean every sign wanted us to lose but we were able to Find a way. And that's what what we're going to have to do because Portland has two more winnable games coming up this week, which we'll talk about later. But then it's that vaunted six game road trip. Mm. So the Blazers are going to have to find themselves and they're going to have to find themselves in a big hurry. And Sage, uh, there have been a lot of teams this year in the NBA who went through a lot of roster turnover. You look at the Boston Celtics, you look at the Los Angeles Lakers and even, even the Phoenix Suns mm-hmm. and the Clippers, and it doesn't seem to be affecting them. Yes, we started without Yusuf Nurkic, and yes, Zach Collins went out three games into the season. But am I expecting too much uh, of the team to to play just to find some sort of cohesion? And I don't expect them to play as cohesive as, as the previous bunch. Mm-hmm. But there were certain possessions where – it just looked like we had no idea who we were throwing to, especially early on uh, in this game. I've seen a lot of turnovers just because people aren't in the right spots. I, I just expected them to make a little bit more progress. Are we talking offensively or defensively or both? both. Okay. Well, I, I would say look at – I think you got to look at flashes of what we can be. And I would argue the last three minutes of regulation and the last five minutes of OT – defensively we were on our shit and then we it led to transition baskets where we found open shooters like Kent Bazemore started the OT two for two from three in that I, I'm hopeful that's where we're going I, I, to, I think, to I think, end I think with the losses that we came that happened this week you can't really expect you got to look at those small little nuggets of 
of what they can be and not expect them to be brilliant. Like you're, you're, you've, you've picked, you know, the good examples of teams that have a massive roster uh, turnover. I've been watching the Pelicans struggle just as much or worse than the Blazers. Like the Pelicans, lot- though, have had injuries. I will chalk the Pelicans. But we up also have injuries. We do, but we also have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and Terry Stotts. So I, I guess, and I'm not blaming anything on on Dame or CJ. I'm just, I wouldn't say concerned. At just, it, it's surprising that it's taking this long to look somewhat cohesive because even on offense with with us on white side it doesn't look like they know what they want to do i, I mean, think it has gotten better though because i'll i would say shoot games are running together but the, the last two games Hassan Whiteside has initiated more of the offense and you if you look at the usage numbers it's bumped up to like close to what nurk was providing us and when Hassan provides that offense and it's not it's not the same type of offense as Nurk but like he dribble hands off to a guard and then they run a pick and roll action it's been working more times than it hasn't so again it's about finding those those little chunks of three minutes where it's like okay this is what we can potentially be and forget about the times where you know we have three people next to the ball trying to set screens for Dame, and then it leads to a triple team on Damian, and he has to do something magical for us to even have a positive, a positive uh, play off of it. So I'm I've been really just targeting those small plays where it's like, oh hey, this looks like a legitimate defense. Oh hey, this three minutes of offense, we've really killed them on a, like an eight to zero run. This is this is what the Blazer basketball is like. And I think it starts with role definition, and I guess that's where I'm most frustrated at because you you did talk about those five minutes in Kent Bazemore. What did he do? Catch and shoot threes. We are running Kent Bazemore out there like he's he's Evan Turner, and mm-hmm. he, he is, neither of them are playmakers, and that was a lot of the frustrations with, with Evan Turner was he would make a great pass, but then he would turn it over twice, so like one step forward, two steps back. This year when Kent Bazemore is succeeding and thriving on the offensive end – he is not a playmaker. He is the recipient of mm. someone else making a play for him. He is a good shooter when he can set his feet. I'll take him a couple of times in the post to see if he can get that advantage. But in terms of him putting the ball on the floor and making a play for others, I don't think that's his strong suit. And I don't think that is going to get the Blazers where they ultimately want to be. I've seen the same thing with, with Mario Hazonia. He is pressing and I think, again, I don't want to come across as, as – too negatory or that, that I'm blaming, you know, Terry Stotts here, but Terry has a, a very structured system. He wants his bigs to roll and, and play back on, on the pick and roll. He wants to drop in coverage. He gives ultimate freedom and he lets players play loose. And I think we have seen that traditionally work out well time over time. I do think there are some players that need to be reeled in a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kent, Anthony and Mario are, are three of those players that you need to ring them back. And, and I really think you need to say, this is your box. Like, we, we don't need you to do anything more than, than, than your box. But I would argue that's not him, man. You but see, that's, that's, that's my, I guess that's what I am concerned but, about. But though, when you live by is, that freedom, man, you die by that freedom. When people that don't deserve the freedom have it, yo, man, it's hard to give that shit up once you have that freedom in your offensive sets than to go back to being a catch-and-shoot guy or 
a secondary ball handler that isn't supposed to handle the ball as much as he does. Like Terry shots give those guys freedom. And sometimes it works and people get paid off of it like fucking <laughs> uh Crab did. Alan Crab played in this the system and got sixteen mil. Yeah. Alan Crab was free to shoot though. I'm I'm fine with Kent Bazemore just catching and shooting the basketball. What I would like to see more from Terry Stotts, and don't get me wrong, this is going to be a very difficult coaching job for this him. This is going to be the toughest coaching job he has with Absolutely. all the injuries he has. He's been blessed with really good luck outside of Yusuf Nurkic. Like, and we've had competent backups to back him up. And not saying we don't today, but like. With how many injuries, major long-term injuries we have, this is going to be Terry Stotts's. This is going to be the proof. Is he just a good coach? Is he a great coach? Where does he lie? Because he's never had this type of, this type of restrictions in his lineups or this type of injuries. And I think that's just where you you, you said it. Good coach or great coach? The great coaches have a system, but they have flexibility in their in their ways. You look at Popovich. He ultimately recognized he wasn't using LaMarcus Aldridge the right way, and Aldridge kind of wanted out. He said, okay, I can't use you how I envisioned. How can I best utilize you and Mm. work to make your game work for you? And I think that's why Pop is one of the all-time greats. And now I guess maybe that's a lot to expect of a coach because Pop is one of a kind. He's transcendent. But that's just what I want to see from from terry this year it may not result in wins or losses and and that's okay because we do have a lot of injuries and so there is a lot of leeway there but i think this team can be good if players really start to define their roles i mean obviously everyone's getting minutes because there's minutes up for grabs Mm -hmm. but you know, I, I just really cringe when i see mario go one on three or pull up from three i mean he he and kent I believe in the Brooklyn game, just let me bring up the box score right quick. I mean, Mario was two for nine. Yeah, dog. Like, again, once you have that freedom, bro, it's hard to go back to playing like in the Orlando Magic structure or or the, the Atlanta Hawks when they sucked. Like, they have all this freedom to do with what they choose to. And I think some days, and maybe most days, it's going to be rough for us. But, you know, you live by the, the you you have the green light. You die by it. I mean, we, we died by it because of Alfred Camino in, like, numerous playoff series. It, it happens. And uh, one thing, uh, I texted you earlier, and I was like, do you think we would do better in a fast-paced offense? I did not look at pace when I said this. And you said no because we're sloppy. And then I looked at our pace. Bro, it's earlier in the year, so everybody wants to have pace and play with pace. And we're the seventh ranked in pace, which is a big jump from middle of the pack Portland. Bro, if we kept this pace and we're super injured, so we, we we want pace, we would be the number one team in terms of pace last year. That's how fast we're playing. We're playing Atlanta Hawks running gun fast like that is a big change and i think terry stotts realizes that he has athletes and wants to push pace because we didn't do this shit with evan turner we're doing a lot more pay like pace plays with these faster more athletic guys so i think stotts is actually working on this craft and it took us eight games to realize that hey 
why are these extra turnovers happening? Oh, we're playing faster than damn near most of the league because of X, Y, and Z. I think I think he's continually adjusting what he's doing. Because you wouldn't see Nasir Little play last year if he was on the team with how he doesn't play rookies. He's trying new things. He's trying to see what works. I think Nasir Little fucking works, man. I would start him over... Uh, Oliver and Hazonia. I, oh, absolutely, because... Nasir got those rebounds when Hassan went to d- rotate. He helped the helper. I haven't seen I, someone I help the helper ever. I saw more from Nasir Little in his 18 minutes against Brooklyn than I have all season from Mario and Tolliver. Mm-hmm. I think he should honestly get your get your prize rookie some minutes. And I think he he did what we would have asked for him to do like he is trying new shit he is going out of the comfort zone because i mean yo last year we did not run any fast break offense this year we're pushing that pace bro i, I still am anti-pace with this team um, I, 17, I get it, 17, but, 17 but, turnovers tonight against atlanta and and frankly we we don't have a lot of good passers on this team we have three i think but hey I think Dame and CJ are much better in the half court. Yes, I think if the opportunity presents itself, you go. But too many times we just like to flare out and try and shoot that three. Now, if we were taking it to the to the rack, mm-hmm. best believe it. And also, it depends on who's pushing the pace. If it's Dame, you know, I trust Dame with with anything. Go for it. If it's Mario, I'm like put pump, pump the brakes. And and I guess it, it's it's hard to say, hey, push the pace here. Don't push the pace here. Yeah. You kind of. You have to have an identity, but I guess that's just what comes with being four and six and losing every game by single digits. You don't really know what your identity mm-hmm. is, and everything can really be nitpicked because nothing's going nothing's going right. So you brought it up at the top of the show. What do you? What is your personal opinion of us kind of being unlucky when it comes to the ball going in or out, and we having a we're having a lot of close games that we happen to lose do you see that as a good thing like we're in the we're in these games we just happen to be unlucky or is it a bad thing because we lose ultimately it's a bad thing because you lose and Mm -hmm. when you look back in the the record books years from now it's gonna count uh, as a loss just like we talked about the oklahoma city game it was ugly but we look back it's a win and we Uh desperately needed that win i'm also a little superstitious in the sense that if I start to see a trend that, that, hey, we're getting really unlucky with with last-second shots or we're just getting so close but we can't figure it out, you know, that type of stuff starts to take a toll on its team and Mm -hmm. it starts to kind of sink in mentally that, hey, I I don't believe something good's going to happen. I'm preparing for the worst, and the worst is happening. Do you think Damien would allow that to happen, though? I don't don't think any single person can can allow or disallow it's just human nature when things start to go down i mean i'll take myself for an example i've you know was on the job hunt the, the summer and you you get to the final interview and you do that five six times and you feel like you're interviewing really well and it doesn't happen you start to doubt yourself mm. and for whatever reason somebody may be more qualified or maybe they just had a connection here some things are just completely out of your control some things are in your control um, like we talked about with, with Kevin Herter and how that ball just bounced right mm. to him. That's just kind of how it, it, it worked. 
Um, that's why I was really relieved we got this win because you can kind of thwart any negative momentum or any mm. negative energy, and it kind of builds confidence with the team that says, hey, we can close out these close games because, yes, having a good point differential shows the sign of a good team over the course of 82 games, but there are weird seasons where you're either getting, you know, you are closing out these games, you are getting really lucky, and you're, you're finding ways mm. to win, and it's reflecting in your win-loss record, and there are other times where you just feel like you're snake bit. You know, the Blazers have been on on their fair share on, on both sides of the coin, and it it's odd, but it is a trend that seems to follow teams the course of the season. Mm-hmm. So if we can stop it early, that'll be great. But let, let's still give it a sample size because I, I don't think we're over that hump yet. We got a couple of winnable games, and if we start to close those out, then you can start to say, okay, we're back to the old Blazers. I feel comfortable when, it, when it's a close game. But up until then you really just don't know. Absolutely. I think that Blazers have been superior, just so unlucky. Nurk breaking his leg, Zach hurting his shoulder and being out multiple, multiple months. Like, we've had a lot of negative stuff happen. Rodney Hood's missed time. Hassan White's Man, they talked, time. they've talked about Rodney Hood tonight. Like, he was dying, bro. <laughs> that was... I'm like... I looked all guys like, the dude has... Back spasms. He's he's gonna be okay. Yeah, like we were right. like reading the dude's eulogy. I bro, like, damn man. Like, so even even the broadcasters are talking about you know like it's a negative thing, but like man, at least we're in games. I know the ball bounces the wrong way for us a few times, but at least we're in it. At least you get to see them compete. Their teams, there's teams like Cleveland that isn't going to see their team compete that often. At least we've seen them put an effort out. The only, the only game I, I would caveat that was Golden State. I was oh that was that was disgusting. I was embarrassed by that performance and with the injuries that we have and the schedule upcoming, you, you just cannot drop those games. And we saw the old Blazers thinking that they could just show up and, you know, get the job done. You know, these Warriors, a lot of them aren't going to be on the team next year. Yeah, they're auditioning for other jobs, man. They, they, this is an 82-game audition where they are trying to get bigger contracts. Kai so Bowman didn't get drafted and is starting on an NBA team getting 30-plus minutes. How is that type of player going to have a better chance at earning a job? Yogi Ferrell played four games, two of them against the Blazers, and got a job and continues getting jobs. Other teams are watching it. So if we got Alex Burks or pass, I think Pascal Stang, but like if we if we got Kai Bowman another contract, like go man, we. D- I, th- I think what upset me most about that game was rookie Jordan Poole was talking a lot of shit, and we didn't really. The only person that, that was. In their feelings about that, I think, was Dame and Hassan. The rest didn't care. You have to send... Like, he comes to the lane, get a flaker foul. I don't give a shit. Send a message. Like, a rookie should not be able to pop off like that. Like, I thought, okay, we're going to flip that switch Oh, I thought halftime. Dame was going for 50. And it, it, we just let it happen. And I don't know what's, what's going on, but... I sense there's some frustration. Do you I don't think know. we were looking past them to cl- the Clippers game? Or did we just fuck up? 
I I don't think we were looking past them in terms of because we have the Clippers on the schedule. I think we probably looked past them in the sense that we knew that there was no Draymond, there was no Steph, and there was no D'Angelo. And and we probably thought we could just show up and and get it done, which is pretty frustrating. Remember that Philly game a few years ago where they were tanking? Like Ed Davis went on CJ's radio show and said, we ain't worried about it. And then they got smacked in the mouth because – Robert Covington, Jeremy Grant, Nerlens Noel happen to be good basketball players. They just are on a shitty team with bad culture at the time. And just like you know, in three years, if we say Kai Bowman's an NBA player, I mean, yo, he got his, he got a really good on Natty TV, national TV, right? We got smacked in the mouth on national TV, man. That was a bad loss. That one, I, I completely and totally got how you know the Rip City community was pretty upset and. You know, I, I stayed on Twitter that day pretty pretty hard. Yeah, it's really tough to kind of stay even keel throughout this. I don't think you have to be a complete optimist. I think you can realize, hey, shit's not going our way. I don't think you can be a complete pessimist and say the sky is falling. I mean, we are 10 games in into an NBA season. Uh, we've seen this before with the Blazers starting off slow and finishing strong. And I think you have to be realistic in the sense of – we're without our, our best two defenders. We're without our best interior score. We're without our best perimeter defender in Zach Collins. Like there's so much switchability that those two I mean, bigs Z- provide. Mm-hmm. Sage, if I just wish people would kind of take a step back, remove a little bit of the emotion and, and look at, okay, what if Anthony Davis went off the Lakers? What if Rudy Gobert was mm-hmm. off the Jazz? What if Carl Anthony Towns was off the Minnesota Timberwolves? Take Embiid and mm-hmm. Horford mm-hmm. from the 76ers. Those teams are not going to win many games. Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of, we're forgetting how dominant Yusuf Nurkic was last year, bro. Like, he was one of three players to have a usage rate of 20, a rebound rate of 20, and an assist rate out of 20. He was so involved in our team. To give that up... It's it's brutal, and Hassan isn't the same dude. He's I, I think he's working hard and being effective. Dude ain't Yusuf Nurkic because Yusuf Nurkic was like a top four center. And I also think we're forgetting how really well Enes Kanter seamlessly just just fit in. He was the perfect big to play offensively with these guards. I think he's a better defender than he was credited for. And then also there's Zach Collins. Yeah, every healthy. every lineup in the playoffs that worked well had Zach Collins out there. And I know Blazer fans are not immune to this, and they're just like every other fan base out there across every sport. There's not just one thing that's a matter with this team, and that that is our scapegoat. It's not just Hassan Whiteside. It's not just Terry Stotts. It's not just Neil Olshay. Everyone has some portion of the blame. You know, we've already kind of touched on Terry Stotts. For for Neil O'Shea, I guess people are already, you know, up in arms that we should have kept that team together. And why did we kind of destroy that that team? I I really want to take some time and and discuss these comparisons that I've seen on Twitter and I've seen on, on the forums. Sage, there is no way financially possible that we could have kept the 1819 group together. Mm-hmm. So when you're comparing teams and saying, you know, which team is better? Well, one, we're hard we're we're over the luxury tax. We have the taxpayers mid-level. 
we had no bird rights on Rodney, Seth, or Ennis. Frankly, we were lucky just to get to get Rodney Hood. I think Neil did. I mean, Seth Curry got an offer that that we couldn't match. He got thirty-two million in four years. And you can, can you tell me possibly. right now who would you rather have, Anthony Simons getting these minutes or Seth Curry? Anthony's already a better basketball player. Yo, Evan Turner as well. I Kent know. Baysmore for Evan Turner, extremely smart deal. I think if there are two areas of critique that that I would, you know, point to, I would say I think Neil O'Shea and we discussed this preseason. He put all of his eggs in the Zach Collins basket. Mm-hmm. I'm I don't think that we needed to to sign Alfred Camino to that that nine million adult nine million dollar a year uh, contract. He's not playing well. He's not uh, getting minutes over who Orlando has. Man, he's getting spot minutes at best. That was you, a bad signing. It was a bad signing, and I think hindsight is always twenty twenty. Obviously, we could use Chief right now, but let's not forget he was absolutely unplayable the final six games of the postseason. We have seen this team with what they can do with Alfaro Camino getting rotation minutes. Mm-hmm. So he did put all of his eggs in the Zach Collins basket. He did not use any of those other minimum signings to get. I would say a traditional power forward who defends and rebounds. Anthony Tolliver was brought in to shoot. He's not, he has not done so. Mario Hazonia was brought in as kind of a reclamation project. He's kind of looked as, as advertised and Pau Gasol was brought in for mentorship and leadership. Unfortunately, he's, he's injured as well. And then the second and old. And the second area of critique is the Hassan Whiteside trade where you're looking at Myers and Moe for Hassan Whiteside. There, there's no doubt that Whiteside is a walking double-double, and there are times where you wish you would get more from him. But there is a question of, was it the right fit? Because he's he's more of a rim-running center. You don't want to play him in the, in the pick-and-roll necessarily, and he's not the best at defending the pick-and-roll either. He is just a good man-to-man defender he'll come Mm. over on the weak side he's great at getting rebounds but in the the dame cj offense we kind of need a big to be able to you know pick pick and pop like myers pick and roll like ennis and and nurk and you know it's taking i think a lot more time to incorporate hassan just offensively and defensively and i think that's going to be the number one key to whether or not the blazers are afloat by the time the deadline comes I think people are vastly overcritical of Hassan Whiteside to think that he's Nurk. He's not. I watched a lot of Hassan Whiteside. I am the captain of the Hassan Whiteside is good bandwagon, and I will admit that 1,000%. He's made me money in the past. He's made me money this year. I fuck with Hassan Whiteside. I think that he does a lot of things right. Of course, he doesn't do everything right. Nurkic didn't do everything right. There were seasons where we hated Nurkic. I think that he produces well in the 30 minutes tops that he gets. And he was a main reason we won tonight's game. He's the main reason why we aren't the worst rebounding team in the NBA. Again, he's not used to Nurkic and that's fine. He's made his career on not being used to Nurkic. Cause there's only one dude who's 350 pounds. That's athletic and nimble that can block shots and fit Terry's system really well. Hassan's a vet, and I th- I think that the pick and roll offense has gotten better. 
because it was atrocious when it started. Now I've seen Hassan get screen assists. There was a Anthony Simons cut to the basket off a di- and Dame lobbed it to him. That wouldn't have happened without Hassan Whiteside screening the Brooklyn game, right? Yep. So I, and, and Hassan did make two really good decisions in at in the tail end of regulation when he got the ball in the middle of the floor. And frankly, if we are going to continue to run the Terry Stotts offense, Hassan, uh, he's got to be the one that's adaptable. How many You're bad passes say- do you think Hassan Whiteside's made? Guesstimate. He really only averages about two turnovers a night. Uh, I wouldn't say he really gets the ball in a position to pass a lot. Those but two he, in those positions that he does get to pass, do you think, oh fuck, that's a bad, that's a bad read by Hassan? I honestly, we commit so many turnovers as a mm-hmm. team. I, I don't. That's why I didn't want to play with space. I don't think we're a great passing team. So I, I think I, that event, we're, the fast pace shit's gonna is gonna last. We're we're doing this as the most injured team in in existence. Just think what we do when we're healthy. If we're pushing the pace when pace is supposed to be pushed when you're healthy, and we're injured, yo, it, it it's going up. It, we're the Memphis Grizzlies now, bro. No, 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 no. But again, with Hassan Whiteside's decision making, I don't think it's that bad because he he found a cutting a cutting uh Hazonia in two games ago. He found a wide open Kent Bazemore for a pull up Jay, like. I, I don't think he's as bad as everybody sees. And yeah, he, like he's not smiling and his attitude isn't as good as it. it, it he's different than the Nurk. But Nurk was, yo, when Nurk, too, skinny Nurk, his attitude was absolute dog shit. We talked about this shit. The last year's Nurk was special, just like the first year's Nurk. Second year Nurk and Hassan, how different are they? On on some trill shit. How different is last year's or two years ago's Nurk and our Hassan? How different are they? I mean, I'd say Hassan's better than Skinny Nurk. But Skinny Nurk was that's what that's why he got Booty a twelve million. Cheeks. Booty that's why he got a twelve million dollar contract instead of twenty. Max. Yeah, hey, but he made Skinny Nurk made the decision that he's going to get skinny and play big minutes, except he didn't. So, I mean. I think. Do you agree that Hassan Whiteside is a starting caliber center? Yeah, okay. I, mean, I think so. Then, I don't then think I he's... think that that trade was worth it. And I wasn't necessarily saying because we like... were, we would have been light in the we would even be even more light in the asset center if Hassan wasn't there. I think the opportunity cost isn't as high as people think for Hassan Whiteside. No, and again, like we talked about Alfred Camino being unplayable. So so was Mo Harkless. Uh, I just think... And Myers Leonard was a good two games. But... Those two so, games were magical. Funny, funny story, though. We were actually recording a podcast, and I went on a pretty big Myers tangent that I was all in on him starting this year. And before it got uploaded, the, the trade broke that we were trading him. So I had to obviously tell you, hey, can you cut that? It's completely irrelevant, mm-hmm. but... You knew that I was big on on Myers coming into this contract year. I do think Myers would have done a good job because I don't he think fits there's any the way. That, I don't think there's any way he would have been as good as he is in Miami, in Portland. There's so much history. No, I I I, I got to disagree because he showed what he could do if he was given you know an opportunity. Starters minutes, yeah, yeah, starters. I mean, you know, especially 
with Gasol on the mend, Zach on the bend, Nurk obviously out. Like Myers was not coming out of any game. So again, I'm not saying that that was a good trade or a bad trade. I'm just saying there were two areas of critique. That trade's still up in the balance, and the the minimum free agent signings were. But would you would after the playoff series that Zach had? We were extremely, extraordinarily high on how Zach Collins was going to be. Does this shoulder injury take away from the brilliance and how good we think Zach Collins is going to be in the future? No, not at all. But again, so, if you're just ta- but if you're just talking about minimum guys, I think I think we should have. We could have done better in the minimum. We should we should have done. We better. could have, but like Ed Davis basically got a minimum contract. But he. Us. Fucked up his leg and is out for eight weeks. But again, I think I know, you, I know. You get a little bit of a pass because you identified the correct player that we should have went after, and I think we overcompensated in a sense with with Tolliver because we're so used to Amino and Harkless getting those open threes. I'm like, oh my god, we got to get somebody big who can spread mm-hmm. the floor. Well, it's it's not working out, and he's not quite the defender or rebounder we needed the position. So he is again, not the rebounder, and I will. Again, I guess I am high on the Anthony Tolliver train. He's not. He's 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 not a starter quality player, and we've pushed him into that. And I think that's a little bit unfair. So again, yes, the, those free agent signings might not have been the the best, but if you were in the situation that Neil O'Shea was in, with the limited amount of assets that we could attain. Putting it on Zach Collins to ha- take that next step, I don't think was a, a as big of a fuck up. I mean, injuries happen in this game, but Zach Collins, I still think he can be fantastic next year. That injury just happened, and that oh. I mean that that sucks. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. I think he'll be he'll be fine as well. My complaint was also: Are we winning a chip this year? With, a championship with with Nurkic out. I don't. I, my expectations weren't as high as they were last year. I mean, I expected Nurk to come back around February, and hopefully he would he would get in in rhythm. And so, I also didn't anticipate Zach being being hurt. hurt. Yeah. And, then, and then you have forty five plus million dollars in expiring contracts that you can make an all in trade. So mm. you know, I wasn't expecting a championship, but I was like, we're probably a top four team in the Western Conference. So another key to kind of enjoying the season is really resetting your expectations. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing is it ain't chip this year. It's let's compete. Let's watch it's Nasir. Let's watch Nasir Little and Anthony Simons dominate and look really good and envision them in future as our starting small forward and an elite third guard. Uh dribble cat pass shoot. Watching Anthony Simons this year was like watching rookie Dame. Ooh. I didn't get a chance to really. Yeah, that's. Do you catch the vibes or is it different? I I think you set the bar too high just because Dame was a unanimous rookie of the year. Mm -hmm. And that that shit just doesn't happen. Even Brandon Roy wasn't a unanimous rookie of the year, even though he, he obviously should have been with the Toronto voter giving it to Bargnani. <laughs> so I think you set the bar too high there. Okay, is I'll, it like like it? It not, is it is okay, like. Okay. Yes. And so I was actually having this conversation with Olga talking about too many players having the green light. 
and uh, I, I mentioned Anfernee. I was like, I'm okay with him having the green light because he looks composed. He looks like he can handle it. He makes good decisions out there. He is so smooth. He's so fluid. The game looks like it comes easy to him. It's slow in his mind, and that's that's the telltale sign of a really good basketball player mm-hmm. where, one, they make it look easy. Two, they're never rushed. They're always in control. And three, you can just tell that they're a, a step faster. They're playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. He had a couple of really nice moves getting to the paint tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, that three damn near went in. I was expecting it to go in with 0.7 seconds on on the clock. He has now scored in double figures in five straight games. You go back to that Clippers game, he scored our first 10 or 12 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, he just pulled up right over one of the best defenders in the game in Montrez Harrell. Mm -hmm. Uh, He just makes it look really easy. Almost won us the Philly game, too. Almost hit the big shot against Philly. I thought he played really good defense on Kyrie Irving down the stretch. I mean, we were putting him in some really tough positions to sink or swim, and he is swimming like Michael Phelps right now. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I'll go ahead and I'll and I'll shoot that. Yeah, I mean, so watch him. Watch the development of quite possibly the most interesting th- backup guard in the league. Watch Nasir Little when he plays his 18 minutes, because I don't think he's going back to the bench. Enjoy the development of some young guns, some young buck players that could help in the future when Nurkic comes back and is still the same beast that he was. When Dame continues to be at an all-world player level, CJ plays better. Like there are, We have so many young guys that have a lot of potential that not having as high expectations on the year, you are allowed to see what Anthony can do or what Nasir Little to do. Because, dog, I said that he was going to be on his redshirt season. There's no way he goes back to being on a redshirt shit. He's going to be, he's good. Nasir Little's going to have rotation minutes in this on this team. He just has to. And I think Anthony Simons has cemented his spot as getting sixth man minutes as well. Like, would you be shocked if. Uh, Anthony got 30 minutes a game for the rest think, of the year. I think for us to make the playoffs, he's going to have to play 30 minutes a night. And he's he can't get a beer yet. He can't go to the bar and drink after <laughs> scoring 25 in a game. You know when they say minors allowed until 8 p.m., like he's got to kicked out the door at 8. Yo, yo he looks 16, my guy. <laughs> he's the baby face assassin. So, like, Watch that man work. Watch him develop into an elite guy. Like we knew that he could generate space, but we didn't we didn't know for real for real how good he could possibly be. There was rumors and we saw the Kings game, but dog, watching this man develop it feels you feel like this dude's a winner. This dude is a winner and we get to watch him grow from day 1, kind of like a Damian Lillard. We we saw him take this franchise by the reins when there was a all world power forward, a small forward that was near max level, Wesley Matthews, this, a young point guard from a small school took over and we get to see that shit again. in, in like eight years, nine years later, that's, that's some really dope shit to witness. So if we lose some games because our rotations aren't great, but Anthony Simons looks good. Just focus on that. 
these guys know, like, Anthony Tolliver knows that he's not hitting consistently. These guys know that shit. But if if Anthony T- Simons from the 25th pick takes a step to stardom, that shit don't matter because he's on our team and we found him for the 25th pick. With with free agency? Or with, with the draft, rather? The 10th pick overall, Austin Rivers, CJ McCollum. There's like a 20% chance that they're good enough to be on your team. Just think about that. 20% chance? Now think about the 25th pick. How many good players are there? Come on, man. Finding that shit was gems level status. You know, I'd also point out that it's not the end-all be-all this year just because it's the 50th anniversary season. And I know everyone wants to to not waste a year of Dame's prime. And I hear that that crowd as well. But you can't just automatically make another superstar available for trade. I mean, Sage... Takes two of the tangle. One, yeah, name one superstar that's out there that we can get. We can't. There, there's nothing that we can just make happen. So if you're the Blazers, you have all of your... Your core players, you've got Anthony, Dame, CJ, Nasir, uh, Yusuf, Zach Collins. They are all under contract for multiple years. And most of them are on that rookie-scale contract, so it means that we can keep their rights for five more years, six more years. You you have Hassan's $27 million Mm -hmm. expiring contract. Bays make 17. You can keep them the whole year. Bring them back if you want or not. You can have twenty to thirty million dollars in cap space. Bring back hoodie. Find a couple of guys to fill out roles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was talking to you on, on text over the weekend. I was like, "Hey, Mason Plumlee's a free agent. Denver's got a ton of guys. They're not gonna be able to keep them all. He would be fantastic as a backup center in Terry Stotts' offense. Like there he are a lot it. of he did it once, right? And I would also say like. Okay, let's say things just don't work out. Well, then you've got everyone coming back, and you've got a top lottery pick. Or if you make the playoffs, then you're getting all of these young players that experience in your that royal reload. jelly, that royal jelly that is almost oh so important for player development. And also, like I know, hating on Neil Olshay is the is flavor. It trend- is it trending still? Oh, it's all it's it, the Blazer faithful that is that's always going to be a, a Last flavor. Last year, I yo bro, I was probably one of the biggest. I was probably one of the most biggest anti Neil anti Terry guys. They produced in a situation you didn't expect them to produce and deserved that chance. But what were you saying about the Neil O'Shea haters? I would say don't count him out. Um, I was, you know, just kind of thinking of players, good players on bad teams with expiring contracts because that's there's not a lot of sellers right now. Everyone thinks they can compete, especially with the Minnesotas and the Phoenixes of the world in, in playoff contention. But Look at a team like Memphis. They've got a guy named Jay Crowder who I've been wanting on Portland for a while. I think he could be a perfect stopgap starter at the Mm. power forward. I think he'd come off the bench when Zach Collins arrives. Look for another Rodney Hood type trade where maybe you're giving up Scal and Anthony Tolliver in a couple of seconds. Mm -hmm. Like we have enough to make that type of trade work. You got to find a guy who's either underutilized like a Rodney Hood was or a good guy on a really bad team. Memphis does, Memphis has no use for, for Jay Crowder. They'll, they'll give him to the highest bidder. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we'll... lo- look for a trade like that that's mm-hmm. really going to help this team. What we see now isn't going to be the team in six, eight, six to eight weeks. I mean, 
they're not trading Jay Crowder because J- uh, Jaron Jackson the third fouls out or gets two fouls in the first three minutes every damn game. No, they're not trying to win. <laughs> they don't give a shit. I do because I have him on daily fantasy, and that man fouls gets two fouls in the first three minutes damn near every time I have him on my roster. But uh, yeah, no more bitching about Jared Jackson the third. Dude's really dude. We call Scalafoul monster. JJJ just all about those fouls. So like, hmm. So what you're targeting in the future is those those good guys, bad teams, or you know those those above average guys on bad teams. I think that is the smartest route to go. Um, I, I think Neil Olshay is going to have to be really careful with what he does with, with Hassan and Kent mm-hmm. be, because obviously the team as constructed right now, given the injury status, they're not a contender. Mm-hmm. They can be in the future. Yeah, I, I, and you have to think about what works with Yusuf Nurkic. What works with Nurk, you know, if he, if you're going to trade for Kevin Love, you really have to say, okay, we're committed to Kevin Love for three years after this season. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit less of a risk if you're saying, okay, we're going to try to just up it. Let's go out and get a guy like Danilo Gallinari. Uh, mm-hmm. Still on an expiring deal, so it's basically a, another audition, just, mm-hmm. just like we had with Kent and Hassan. Or you can say, I really like the players that are going to be in this free agency class. We'll basically be able to hand out three mid-level exceptions given our cap space. I think with Dame as a recruiter, we'll be able to get players that I can handpick. Mm-hmm. So it's really going to be an interesting season because I I really don't know what what Neil's going to do, and I can't say definitively what what he should do. I, I don't. There's a env- lot of options. I don't envy his position right now because. There's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. riding on riding on this team, and I, I do think that they just need to to tread water, and it's really going to come on on the backs of Damon CJ, but specifically Damian Lillard. Sage, I don't know if there are five better players in the league right now than Damian Lillard. I'd argue Giannis, and probably that's it. I mean, he, the way he has just elevated his game. It, it, you start to run out of superlatives when, when talking about him, because every year you think, okay, this is peak Dame. What an amazing ride it's been. He just takes his game to the next level. He is getting to his spots at will. I will say that the roster that we have teams haven't been able to double team Dame as much. He's had a lot more free reign to go one-on-one and if mm. they do double he's making them pay so yeah he made the the right move quite quite a bit i mean that that 60 piece he put up on, on brooklyn he did that on 33 shots he made 19 15 to 15 at the line five assists four boards i mean that was an all-time performance mm-hmm. but again the, in a loss which makes it suck the elite ones make it look so easy and mm. he just pulls up and you're like that that's cash gets fouled it's still going in i mean that circus shot over jared allen where he spun it with the left over his shoulder and it banked in and mm. that that's mj i mm. mean that's what you see in those highlight videos the one thing i will say is what i don't want to see this season and it's already happening is i don't want to run damien lillard into the ground 
I mean, you're talking about a player who played 38 minutes Thursday night against the Los Angeles Clippers. He put up that 60 piece the back to back night and he played 40 minutes. He played 44 tonight against the Atlanta Hawks without John Collins. Sage, he has not played. He has played one game this year under 35 minutes. I think was, I think that unfortunately, if we're trying to make the if the, the playoffs are a goal that that to me, then no, don't don't do it. Like that is not worth it. Like we need to really somewhat monitor his minutes and not get reckless with what it. What would you put if, his cap at? I don't cap it because I think it's always a game by game mm. basis. But for example that game against the Golden State Warriors got out of hand pretty quickly. There was really no need. Yeah, there was no need to play 37 minutes that night. Oh, shit. That, that's a lot. Damn. Yes, that's what. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's rough. That That's tough. I mean, yo. I Because next year is is the year. Like, whatever happens this year, you just want, you know, health, knock on wood, development. I think you want to be entertained, which we have been so far. And you want to work in. Nurik and Zach once they return mm-hmm. like this year we essentially need to take a redshirt year for the entire franchise mm-hmm. and if we end up making the playoffs that's great but we shouldn't Dame shouldn't, shouldn't go for 40 minutes every night no and and I I don't think it's a it's not a great apples to apples comparison but if you look back last anniversary the 40th anniversary season it was 0910. Odin, obviously, you know, just basically his kneecap comes off. Chris Billa tears his ACL, re-injures it in the shower. Uh, Nate McMillan gets hurt in practice because we were down so many bodies. He tears his Achilles. Brandon's knees gave out on him, I believe, the third or fourth final game of, of the season. He has the surgery and comes back eight days later. I don't want any sort of that type of... Iron Man shit. Exactly. Like, if it happens this year, great. If not, don't try to make it happen because... Dame is only 29 years old. There is much more basketball left in in Batman. You know, that's a lot of that's a that's a, some great long term thinking. You got to think long term. Mm-hmm. You that's what I've been trying to convey. I think you've been trying to convey that as well. Is yes, we made the Western Conference Finals last year, and we talked about this over the summer when I was watching a lot of the old old basketball games with the Blazers. You know, the Utah Jazz, I mean, when you talk about a team that made that climb up the mountain with Stockton and Malone just to get to the finals, I mean, they'd make it to the conference finals one year, then they'd get bounced out of the first round the next, then they'd get to the second round, then they get bounced on the first, and they just could never get over the hump. Well, they made it to the finals in, in two straight years, uh, in 97 and in 98, and it took them a long time. Stockton and Malone were, I think, 13th and their 14th years, respectively, mm. before that happened. I know we're in an era of just urgency and I want it now and I need to see results immediately. The Blazers need to think long-term. You need to have some patience, which thankfully they have because they've kept their management and they've kept the coaching staff and they've kept their core players intact. Diverting from that process or that plan at this stage just because you made the Western Conference Finals last year feels reckless. Mm-hmm. And I hope they don't go down that path. And yes, it is early, so I think we can get away with playing Dame these minutes, but that... How do I, how would you feel if it, we, we were fighting for the eighth spot no, in March? No, or abs- I mean, if you're saying the sixth spot, then maybe absolutely not. The eighth spot, how many one-eight upsets have we seen in history? It, it's just not worth it. You mm-hmm. have to weigh the costs with the risk. Like... The risk reward. I mean, mm-hmm. it's 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 simple economics. Mm-hmm. And to me, 
Damian Lillard is worth way more than four to five extra playoff games. Mm-hmm. I get that. No, I think let's take a quick commercial breaks from our sponsors and we're going to dive into our, our predictions for the upcoming week. For you, the listeners of Holy Backboard, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com forward slash holy backboard. Again, that's getgrammarly.com forward slash holy backboard to download Grammarly for free. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Holy Backboard podcast. Dustin and Sage here. Sage, it has been rough sledding for your boy on the predictions. I'm kidding. You have won three weeks in a row. I am one in I am one in three from the previous week. I gave you I was I was generous. You were a little flip floppy on the on the Clippers game. You said we'd win if Kawhi didn't play, but we'd lose if Kawhi played. I feel like Kawhi, the 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 reigning Finals MVP, is worth being flip floppy about. But but I regardless, I was an honest and upstanding gentleman and, and gave you the victory there. So overall in the season, I am three and seven. You are six and four. So and- I have got I have got my work cut out for me. All right, we got three games on the docket. Uh, a quick roadie to Sacramento to play the Kings again. And isn't it an in island the capital? Game? Uh, yes, it's a one game, one game trip. We have a back to back on Wednesday against the defending champion Raptors, and then again another familiar foe to kick off the six game road trip in San Antonio on Saturday night, November sixteenth. Sage, let's touch on the Sacramento Kings. It is a team still without. Marvin Bagley, it is a team that the Blazers have handled and handled with ease. Uh, they've defeated the Kings 122 to 112 back on October 25th. What do the Blazers have to do to get a win here, Sage? Yeah, have you what have you seen them play yet? No, I, I only have Besides national game. television games available. Yeah, okay. Man, there there was a few there was games a few weeks ago where um Wayne Deadman was just completely out of the rotation and they ran Rashad Holmes for like enormous minutes and they were just chanting MVP MVP to Rashad Holmes. I thought that was awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm worried uh, that you're watching Sacramento Kings basketball where Rashawn Holmes is getting MVP chance. He, uh, dude, you should be really worried about how much basketball I'm watching. All right. <laughs> they have won three or four though. Mm-hmm. There, hey, I think there was there was a few games where they just did they were just rocking Rashad Holmes and that I think Dwayne Dedman or and or Harry Giles is now into the in the rotation. Uh, the Kings are one of the best three point shooting teams. The only rim runner I I, I see is uh, De'Aaron Fox and then whoever the cutting man is on the pick and roll. So really, you have to stay consistent. On their shooters, the Buddy Heels, the Tr- Trevor Arizas, the Harrison Barnes, the Bogdanov, the their European Bogdanovich. Um, 
So uh, that's offensively what they're doing. Uh, defensively, they are one of the worst defensive teams at uh, at limiting opposing shooters. So they, they can defend well at the rim, and I think that's because of Hassan, uh, Rashawn Holmes' ability uh, to be a help side uh, defender. But again, in shooters and especially mid-range jumpers like the C.J. McCollum specials, they are really bad at defending them. Yeah, to me, I would say my X factor is going to be, for looking at a statistic, it's going to be keeping De'Aaron Fox off of the free throw line. You mentioned he's a rim runner. He went 11 of 14 at the line in route to 27 Sacramento free throws the last time the two teams played. And personnel-wise, it's going to be Hassan Whiteside. He had his best game as a Blazer, the biggest impact, uh, 22-9, uh, three assists, a steal on the block, including that highlight alley-oop from Kent Bazemore. He really sparked us in that third quarter, giving us that 10-point advantage. Obviously, Dame had 35 in that contest as well, but Hassan really had his best. To me, that was his his most impactful. Might not mm. be the best stat line, but it was his most impactful performance. Um, I think the Blazers do find a way to get a win. They know how difficult this team is to beat. They've already seen them once. I think they have the personnel to do it again. I, I just think they need to do a really good job, especially on their Bogdanovich. He seems to shoot well against us. Mm. The previous game was no exception. Four of six from downtown. Stay out on those shooters. If we can play good perimeter defense like we did tonight against the Atlanta Hawks, don't close out so hard. Don't fall for every pump fake. I like Dame to deliver down the clutch. And again, we're getting a much more confident Anthony Simons. CJ McCollum hopefully looks like mm. he is off the schneid as well. So Blazers in a closer than you want, but you'll take the result type of game. So if they don't leave the shooters... But let's say they, they're they running an offense with two non-shooters like De'Aaron Fox and shit. Whoever. Do you build a wall on the De'Aaron Fox pick and roll so he sees bodies so he will try and pass it? Or how would you cover De'Aaron Fox? I think you just try and let De'Aaron Fox become a scorer. He's the type of point guard mm-hmm. where he's best when he's getting everyone else involved. That team is mm-hmm. really constructed around three-point shooting. Harrison Barnes, Buddy mm-hmm. Heald, uh, Bogdanovich, even Trevor Ariza. Those guys want to let it fly. And you're not going to lose to the Kings if De'Aaron Fox is getting 30 points, but only like four assists. That's that's mm-hmm. a recipe for defeating Sacramento. So I would stay out on the shooters. Yeah. I mean, yo, man. Have you... I, Trevor Ariza is looking fat and old. Who you got, bud? Oh, I think the Blazers get the dubski. All right. The next night will be the defending NBA champion, Toronto Raptors, who everyone's leaving them for dead. They have a lot of injuries with Ibaka and Kyle Lowry, but hey, they're seven and two, had probably the most impressive win of the season just probably about an hour ago, winning 113-104 in LA against the Lakers. This is going to be a a game that is going to challenge Portland's resolve and their mental toughness Mm. because if you beat Atlanta and then you beat Sacramento, are you going to come into Portland on your high horse and think you're going to defeat uh, a depleted Toronto team? Or are you going to say, hey, this is just another opponent. We got to we got to, you know, play up to our standards and just win the day. 
what Blazer team are we going to get? I think this game of the three will tell me the most about where this team is going to to become because mm. I've seen both from the Blazers. I, I've seen them really come out and focus like we saw early in the season on that road trip. But then we saw the bad Blazers where it was maybe they let the Sixers game beat them twice and they don't show up and play against the Golden State Warriors. You know, this is a Raptors team that's very well coached. Pascal Siakam is going to be an all-star starter out East and they still have talent and they have championship experience. You just can't measure that in a box score. Mm -hmm. So I think that, I think the biggest area of concern for me is who the hell is guarding spicy P this would be perfect for Zach. Collins, <laughs> this would be, but he ain't, he ain't here. I think that that I think we have to build a wall around Spicy P. I would let OG Ananube uh, try and score on us, like anybody but Spicy P trying to get uh, get his on us. Like that is the main factor. Of course, you got to worry about Fred Van Elite, but he don't scare me like Spicy P does. Does um, I think that this game is going to be the Hassan Whiteside game because they they are very light when it comes to bigs. It's Marcus All who isn't playing as well as Marcus All ha- has done in his career. And you might Bruce help Boucher. me with the pronunciation with it. Okay, thank you so much. Cuz I I was either Bobby Boucher or Bosher. <laughs> so so it, it it it's the water boy Boucher. Okay, thank you so much. But yeah, like they're really light on the in the forward and in the paint. So I think if Hassan Whiteside establishes dominance on that side, and he realizes that if if he's a stat chaser, he's gonna realize that this Raptors team ain't as scary as it as what you would predict, just because of the injuries. And Ibaka plays pretty played pretty damn well this year. So yeah, if if, if Hassan can get his, if he can really dominate those rebounds too just because of how light they are in the front court i i'm i would feel a lot better about this team but uh yeah like dame does his thing hassan shines it's gonna be a tough game but uh i i think we might take the l on it just because you can't win every single game and this team is well coached and spicy p I just have no idea how we stop. So I think my X factor will be the defense around Siakam. I, I think this is actually a game where you do start Mario Hazonia. He did some nice things when he was defending Kawhi Leonard, uh, defending Ben, ben Simmons. Yeah. You just have to make him make tough concept, contested shots. I think my X factor on the personnel side is going to be Anthony Simons. With Kyle Lowry out, that shifts a Norman Powell, a Fred Van Vliet up into more minutes. Their bench is a little bit more depleted in terms of who is coming off. They don't really have a traditional point guard behind uh, Van Vliet. Simons, with his confidence, he should be able to feast on that bench. So if the Blazer bench can produce, which benches typically do when they are at home. uh, I actually like like Portland. Uh, Pops is going to be in the building Yes, I know we're we're 0-1 on the season with Pops in the building, but we didn't get our good luck burritos from King Burrito, which we will do on Wednesday. 
Is that is that why we lost? Do we blame the our, that L on you? No, we just blame the L on on not having King Burrito. Okay. okay. We had to get the early to get the the poster and all the all that shit. So maybe blame the Blazers for not making enough posters. Who the hell would be their backup point guard? And I think Pat McCaw is hurt. hurt. So who's their? Yeah, who? And that shifts that puts even more stress on the fact that Serge Ibaka is injured because. Pat McCall was the reason that Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol weren't on the floor. They play two guards named Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas, who I, if you would have said there in the NBA, I would have said, you're just making up some random uh, names. (laughs) So are they the 2K general generated players? They absolutely are. So we need our guards to absolutely go to town. I I think the Blazers should, should win this game. This is a game. Even with the injuries, Toronto is just as dinged up. There are no excuses. You need to be at 500 going into the six-game road trip, which starts off Saturday night in San Antonio against the Spurs, a team the Blazers had a 19-point lead in the first quarter, got down by 19. Dame almost hits that shot to send it into overtime. Dame essentially went into God mode and was just – unconscious they have no they have a lot of good defenders they didn't have anybody who could stick with dame when he wanted to so for me sage if we're looking at at an x factor it's going to be when does dame decide to go and are we do we have the luxury of of him waiting and then making his kick in the fourth or is he going to be able just to have a constant you know 40 piece because it we may need 40 from dame but this was a, a night where the Blazers, they did lose by three, but it was a really good CJ and Dame game. They combined for 55 points, and San Antonio didn't really seem to have an answer. On the other end, they just could not stop Patty Mills. He always hit that big three. Derek White was a thorn in our side, and then DeRozan was his usual effective self against against us. I mean, he just always seems to play well. He had 27 on 10 of 16 shooting, and got to the line nine times. We did a really good job against LaMarcus Aldridge. And again, this was the first game without Zach Collins. So we actually have a direct comparison of how mm. the teams could play. Anthony Tolliver did a pretty nice job. Sage, what are you looking for in this one? Is DeJounte Murray playing or not? Are they playing a game directly before or after it? Because he doesn't play seconds of back-to-backs. They play Friday night in Orlando. So do you think DeJounte plays versus Orlando, one of the worst offensive teams in the league? That's a really good defensive team, but trash offense. Like, I think Evan Fournier is leading them in usage. I do, too. So I think DeJounte directly... uh, Directly... ah, Man, having him on the floor makes it a little tougher for us to get the win because he is so productive in those 24 minutes that he plays per game. Like he affect, he's affecting LaMarcus Aldridge's rebounds and DeMar DeRozan's rebounds. He's a very, very talented guard. Um, who is this in San Antonio, right? Well, that's tough. Um, I'm looking at, let me see. Ooh. 
All right. All right. I think Dame is going to be ha- is going to have to be very I think we have to be very careful with the ball first of all because they are very aggressive at getting steals. We took care of the ball, uh, only turned it over 10 times in the first contest. Ooh. Um All right, my biggest X factor is Hassan Whiteside and his rebounding against uh the Spurs. They send a lot of resources to getting offensive and defensive rebounds they're actually a top five rebounding team in terms of uh, uh, in terms of rebounding so that i think hassan has to be as big as possible and box out it's in san antonio Dejounte murray probably plays i'm gonna go spurs victory I do think the Spurs win as well. My X factor will be those San Antonio guards, Derek White and Patty Mills off the bench and how we and they how we shooters. defend them. We did not stop penetration. Like they were able to get to their spots and they, mm-hmm. they really made it look easy when they basically outscored us by 25 points in the second and third quarters. So I think asking for another three in a week is a bit much. This is the start of a six-game trip. Looking at the schedule, to me, this is one of – it's just one of the losses. And if we're able to get it, that's fantastic. But San Antonio is an arena that we just don't traditionally play well in, and I just need to – I need to see it before I believe it. But I still have us going two and one, and – Given that we only have four wins on the season, if we can get you know fifty <laughs> percent increase, yeah. you, you take that, take that and run with it. But Sage, let's wrap this bad boy up. Let our listeners know where they can find us. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. We are available on Dash Radio, Nothing But Net Radio, Tuesdays two to three on Nothing But Net Radio, and. For the first time ever, you can see us on our own YouTube channel, Holy Backboards YouTube channel. And obviously, this is the f- the first time we'll be on there. It's a process to get this shit right. And my goal is for us to look very, very professional with what we present because, yo, this, this people hear this. I want this shit to be as professional as humanly possible. So just be patient with us, YouTube. And uh, thank you all for listening. If you've listened this far, you're a real one. I'll Oops. just one, one quick thing. We're four and six. We're only a game and a half out of, out of the playoffs right now. If we were to start today and you know what? They don't start today because we're 10 games into the season. Just relax. Let's see how the season goes manage those expectations and just enjoy the bright spots until next time. We will see you again, Dustin Sage. We're out. Maybe this is Bill Shinley. Good night. Everybody. Let's go. Let's go.